This is the Frog for Life podcast. I'm your host, Rob Berline. Campus, uh, it's really second to none, uh, in my opinion. That's one of the things that strikes me and my wife, who's class of 1990. Uh, we have a lot of horned frogs in my family, and we're super proud of TCU in almost every way you can be. But you know, starting with, of course, the academic programs, but the campus is just really beautiful. I would put it up really against any place. That is the voice of Todd Smith, one of two guests who are joining us today. Todd Smith and Jody Sanders are appellate lawyers in Fort Worth and Austin, both TCU grads and have combined to start a venture outside of their law practice, a legal podcast. Learn how they met and how their combined interests have led to a renowned following throughout the world. We have a very special edition today of the Frog for Life podcast. We are joined by a couple of TCU graduates, um, lawyers turned podcasters, Jody Sanders from the class of 2001 and Todd Smith from the class of 1989. They are hosts of the Texas Appellate Law Podcast presented by Butler Snow LLP. And we'll get into that, that podcast here in a little bit. But first, thank you guys for joining me today. Well, thanks for having us. Thank you, Rob. Well, before we get into, you know, what you've done in your professional career, we want to get, go back to kind of why you're on the podcast, and that's because you were TC graduates. So what chose each of you, what was the thing that made each of you decide to choose TCU? Well, I had grown up in the area, and uh, I went to Crowley High School. So I'm from uh, Fort Worth originally and had followed TCU most of my life, but did not have at the time any... Uh, graduates of TCU and my family, that changed later, which is a whole nother story. But um, in looking at colleges, I wanted to stay relatively close to home. I wanted to go to a good school. And I basically narrowed my choices and decided to go only about 20 minutes away from home. And so it was a great decision. No regrets at all. I'm very proud to, to be a Horn Frog alum. Uh, it's worked out great for me. And I grew up in Orange, Texas, which is a small town, kind of in the very southeast corner of the state and didn't really have any TCU alums or anything in the family, didn't really know much about it. And then as I was a senior in high school, I was just kind of looking around Texas, trying to find a place that I thought would be a good fit. And a family friend mentioned that they had gone to TCU. And so when we were in the area, they said, go check out the campus, see what you think. Uh, I certainly didn't want to go to a huge city. And so we went and did a tour and, and it felt really good. Um, and Fort Worth felt like it was a good size city and, and a good fit coming from a smaller town. And I applied and got in and, and never looked back. It was a great experience and a great fit for me. And once you guys joined TC, what were some of the activities um, and things you got involved in um, as a student here? Well, I studied uh, in ADRAN and mostly focused on academics. I did some, a few clubs, but you know, you're asking me, Rob, to go back <laughs> a few years now to really dig deep in, into my memory. But I remember being uh, pretty active in the uh, honor societies with, uh, with ADRAN and uh, a, few, a few clubs and associations. I was not in a fraternity um, it was, I think as it is now, it was, it was very common for, for students to be in the Greek system, but I was not. I kind of uh, always had a part-time job and sort of worked my way uh, through school that way, but still an abundance of good things to be involved in, uh, you know, even back then. 
And I'm kind of like Todd. Uh, I was a poli-sci major, criminal justice minor. So I did stuff within ADRAN and some of the clubs there. Um, I did some stuff with the Student Government Association, some of their activities and things during the year. Um, I played a couple semesters in the basketball band. I played trombone there and I played bass trombone in the jazz band um, pretty much the whole time I was at TCU. See, I'm learning things about Jody that I didn't know. Um, and I, it's funny because he was a poli-sci with, with the sociology minor. I was a, or, or I'm sorry, criminal justice minor. I was a criminal justice major with the poli-sci and sociology minors. So uh, it's really interesting that we had these sort of uh, almost parallel uh, experiences, although I can't play an instrument. So I, I'm, I was not in the band. <laughs> So when you guys, you said you each have kind of parallel tracks in terms of your academics, um, your, your, your social circles, although, you know, Jody was the more musical of the two. Um, <laughs> did you guys always know you wanted to be lawyers or, or how did, you know, that come about for each of you? I don't know that I always knew that. Uh, I think I had done mock trial in high school because it just seemed interesting and, and I enjoyed it and thought, well, maybe. And I'd always loved history and government. So coming in, I think Certainly my first year, maybe even my second year, I hadn't declared a major yet, but I took a few poli-sci classes. I took some history classes. I took some criminal justice classes just to kind of see where my interest was. And poli-sci seemed like a good fit. And that was kind of where at the time, and it may still be this way, the pre-law advising program was housed. And so it just, it made sense for me to do that. And I think I, I started taking the core classes and then I got a little bit more into some of the more specialized classes that had to do with government, government structures, um, and, and in particular law classes like Don Jackson taught several public law classes. Wendy Davis was a guest teacher and taught a law class that I took. Um, and so I took several of those and just, I really enjoyed them. I think Jody is the same uh, for you, but I, I'm a first generation lawyer. That means mm -hmm. different things in, in different contexts. But, you know, not having any uh, lawyers in my family, I didn't really have uh, an example to look to as far as what I needed to do to, to get to where I am now. Um, but the first time I really remember thinking about being a lawyer was when I was still in high school. And I took a uh, speech class where our our teacher really encouraged us uh, to, to push ourselves in terms of uh, going into debate, uh, doing, you know, not only standard but Lincoln-Douglas debate, doing extemporaneous speaking. And I figured out that I was actually pretty decent at, at the talking stuff and the logic stuff and the argument stuff. So I, I thought, well, maybe I should look at a, at a career in law. And as I got into college and through college, then I was in that path of, am I going to major in something like English or what's going to be something that will really tell me more about what it would be like to, to be a lawyer and develop some of the, the thinking skills that, that may come in handy later. And I took a lot of poli-sci classes based on having a minor in that area, but a lot of other, other classes too. And I think just generally I decided even, I wasn't even sure then that I was going to be a lawyer. It took me a little while longer to, to figure that out, but eventually I did go on to law school and, uh, got to where, where I am today. And one of you went to, uh, I believe, tech law school. One went to Houston. Is that correct? Um, no, I went, actually, I went to graduate school at Texas Tech. Okay. I was there for, for three years in between uh, TCU and law school. And then I went from there to San Antonio. I went to St. Mary's Law School. Okay. 
And I, I went to the University of Houston, straight from TCU, went to law school there, finished up, and then moved back to Fort Worth. And so what was kind of the, how did the law school and, and, and Todd, you also at graduate school on top of that, how did those um, schools, how did those experiences differ um, in terms of the study skills you learned at TCU and how did they apply, you know, once you got into the, you know, even more maybe rigorous, um, you know, exams and, and things of that nature? I, I can't say that I had great study habits at TCU. Um and, you know, I didn't learn one thing that I, I regret probably about my overall education is, you know, I was just smart enough to be able to get by in high school without having to study very much. And that really didn't benefit me when I got to undergrad. It was uh, it was harder than I expected it to be. Um, and so it was kind of a difficult adjustment. Uh, but then I sort of figured out, I guess I cracked the code and was able to make good enough grades, but still with not great study habits. And I'm afraid that that carried forward into law school because, you know, the rigors of law school, it's true that, that it's very rigorous. But I think this is changing now to some degree. But uh, when I was in law school, in most of my classes, your only grade was your final exam. And so you could if you wanted to, you could procrastinate the whole semester and show up for the final exam. If you had the right materials to use to prepare, you know, cram for a day or two ahead of time and then take the test. And if you were lucky, you might actually do pretty decent. And uh, so procrastination is one of my character faults, I guess. And I, I managed to turn that uh, into a benefit in some ways because I was able to just cram on exams. And the really the, the ironic thing about that is that I do that now all the time in my in my job, <laughs> because it, uh, there are times that you have to really be able to focus on one thing and one thing only when you're getting ready for uh, a trial or an oral argument or working on a brief. And so I, I guess ultimately, Rob, I would say it worked out for me, even though I didn't have great study skills, because I did learn how to learn a lot of information quickly and in some amount of depth. And that's something I use all the time in my current job. You know, I'd say for me, in poli-sci, in history in particular, places where I took a lot of upper-level classes, there were a lot of writing requirements, and I think that that really helped me out because so much of, of law and law school in particular is, is writing-based, and so I think being, being able to take those skills, having thought about, okay, how do you write something that's well-reasoned, something that makes sense, something that's supported with research, I think those skills carried over. Um, you know, law school is such a, I mean, it really is kind of a technical school. It's a trade school, essentially. Um, and so it's very focused on one particular type of curriculum. And I did get some exposure to that at TCU uh, because I took some of the public law classes and some of the, the criminal justice classes that dealt in, you know, reading cases out of case books a little bit and dealt with constitutional provisions and how courts have interpreted those. So I had that background, which I think helped. But then when you get there, you just kind of immediately start building on that. Um, but I had definitely picked up some habits that I think helped me stay on top of things. Because like Todd said, you have an entire semester of class and the only way that you get evaluated in a lot of those classes is one exam at the very end of the semester. And so I had to do my best to kind of stay dedicated and stay on top of things going through the whole semester, making outlines. And I'm not gonna pretend like I did it great every time, but I think it was good, good training in college to kind of build on those skills even more. I think I can add to that, Rob, and, and agree 100% with what Jody said about writing skills. You know, there, the, the main difference, as we pointed out, between uh, undergrad and law school is the frequency with which you're tested and 
and there are there are seminar classes offered at TCU and undergrad uh, that I think really are important and and did develop my skills as a writer uh, that really did translate into not only graduate school, which was also very writing intensive, uh, but also into law school because you know one of the probably the biggest skill that any lawyer has is the ability to put pen to paper, at least figuratively speaking, and being able to ex express yourself uh, in writing and make it understood to the reader. And understanding your audience, of course, is something that's really important to do. But the the writing uh, classes that I had at TCU, I, I do remember, um, especially early on, you know, freshman comp classes and others that I took later in other disciplines besides the English uh, program, including poli-sci, uh, that were really beneficial to developing those skills. And so what, um, as you guys got through your law school, um, passed the bar, what um, is the kind of law each of you decided to, to practice and focus on? Well, our practices are very similar. Um, after law school, I decided I wanted to become an appellate lawyer. And so I do uh, civil appeals and I do litigation support work for, for trial lawyers. That means that I actually handle cases that have been tried or otherwise disposed of in the trial courts. Uh, I will deal with those cases in the higher level courts, uh, namely uh, intermediate appellate court and then the higher courts. The Texas Supreme Court is the high court that I'm in uh, most often. And um, oh, I kind of lost my train of thought there. What, so that's the basic nature of the practice. But I, I, um, I had done a judicial clerkship after law school and had seen what went into uh, how appellate cases are decided. And I thought that that would be a good practice area for me. And then I was able, after my clerkship was over, to, to get a job with a firm that hired me specifically to uh, come into that practice area as, as one of my focuses and developed it from there. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I spent a couple, yeah, I spent a couple of years in law school working for um, a state trial court judge who actually was another TCU alum, um, Judge John Woldridge in Houston. And I thought I pretty much wanted to do litigation trial court work. And so as I was getting out of law school, I wanted to be back in Fort Worth. And so Judge Woldridge said, well, if you want to be in Fort Worth and you want to do litigation, then there's no better place to apply than Kelly Hart and Hallman in Fort Worth. Um, one of the founding partners there is, is D. Kelly, a name that I think will be familiar to anybody at TCU who spent any amount of time on campus. Um, that is the great uh, man center great... that, we are, that we are housed in, is the D.J. Kelly Alumni and Visitor Center. So there you go. So I, I sent a letter to Mr. Kelly and said, you know, I'm a TCU grad. I'd love to come back to Fort Worth after I finished law school and I really want to do litigation. And a couple of weeks later, I got a letter back and a call that said, hey, come up and interview. And so I did and came here, started doing just litigation trial court work for the first couple of years and then had a partner join the firm that had an appellate practice. And I kind of fell in doing the same kind of thing Todd did. And so I still do trial court work. And that's that's a big part of what I do. But I do it more with an eye towards appellate law. And I do a lot more work in the appellate courts, both the intermediate courts of appeals in Texas and beyond, and then the Texas Supreme Court, kind of like Todd. And so for those of us that may not be um, all 100% all, uh, on the legalese, um, is it mostly criminal uh, criminal appeals you do, or is it civil appeals, or, or which we're, is We're both mostly, yeah, we're mostly civil, both of us. Uh, there are lawyers that do criminal appeals. We tend to do more on the civil side. So 
you know, someone files a lawsuit against somebody uh, and win or lose, somebody doesn't like the outcome. And so they're going to appeal it to the higher court, which in Texas, generally there's, there's intermediate courts in big cities and smaller cities throughout Texas. And so they take it to that. And then that court looks at the issues. And then if someone is still unsatisfied, then they can ask the Texas Supreme Court to take the case. They don't have to take it. It's discretionary. The intermediate courts of appeals have to take any appeal that comes their way. And so we help people, either people that want to go to the Texas Supreme Court or people that want to stay out of it kind of at that next level as well. I want to add to that, too, some of the most satisfying work that, that we get to do in our practice area is working with trial lawyers to try to help them get their cases ready for appeal or to avoid an appeal. Mm-hmm. And that involves, you know, getting up to speed on the legal issues in a case and going and sometimes uh, sitting, monitoring a trial to help preserve the error so that the court of appeals can hear the issues or the arguments uh, that are being raised in the lower courts and do it in such a way that will hopefully put the case in a, in a more favorable position once it actually gets up to that higher court. And so we've gone through each of your individual journeys. So how did the two of you meet up? One of you's in Austin, one of you's in Fort Worth, one graduated in 89, one graduated in 01. So how did the two of you get together? We we actually met up through social media. Um, there, there is a surprisingly large community of appellate lawyers on Twitter. And um, especially in the state of Texas, there's a lot of appellate judges, appellate lawyers, trial court judges that kind of have a little corner of that platform. Uh, and Todd and I got to know each other through that and kind of got linked up on the idea of starting a podcast dedicated to appellate law in Texas. Um, nobody had done it. And I think we both saw that there was a niche there and something that interested us. And we both kind of bring different skills to the table that I think complement each other well. Yeah, I'm kind of the technical guy. Um, I had figured out more or less what was going to go into creating and producing a podcast. And I was interested in doing it, but I was hesitant to do it by myself. And so I had pretty much given up on the idea of doing it. Uh, and then suddenly Jody and I are connected. Uh, we, we connect with each other over Twitter. We were having conversations with other lawyers and uh, court staff that we know. Uh, and we like to credit Blake Hawthorne, who is the clerk of the Supreme Court of Texas and who is also a Fort Worth native, I will note, uh, although he's not a TCU grad. Um, for connecting us on Twitter and, and sort of fostering the idea that maybe, you know, we really should follow up on this idea of starting an appellate law podcast. And Blake encouraged us. We, we decided to do it. And as Jody said, you know, we each bring a little something different to the table. I could figure out how to make the tech work and Jody can talk uh, really well and carry on conversations far better than I can. So um, it really has worked out really, really well. It just happened to be just kind of a bonus that, uh, that he's a TCU grad, that we, mm-hmm. we both turned out to be horn Frogs, and we share a lot of interests. Um, you know, I, we're football fans. Uh, we like to compare notes about, about the games. And <laughs> it, it really is kind of neat to connect with someone in a, in a completely different environment, completely di- different context, and have that connection that you went to the same undergraduate institution, even though you're separated by a number of years. And so it, that's, it's made uh, working with Jody that much more fun uh, on the podcast. And it's, it's just been really neat. And, and so you, we'll get into the, the podcast now. And you started it in March, 2020. 
Um, was it because of the pandemic? Is that what caused it? Or was that just, was that already planned? And then the pandemic hit and you just said, let's just keep going. That was really just kind of a matter of, of, of timing and kind of accident. We, we got connected shortly before that and Blake Hawthorne had authored, offered us the chance to come down to Austin and, and record a couple episodes at the Texas Supreme Court. And so it just happened to work out that we went that first week in March and did that. And at the time we said, well, how should we work this? You know, we're in different cities, but we want to be able to do this and we want to talk to people all over the state. And Todd said, well, there's this platform called Zoom that I'm a little bit familiar with, and maybe we can do some Zoom meetings and get people familiar with that platform. And, and maybe we can have some remote guests and then maybe we can do some in person in different places. And I said, yeah, that sounds great. And then I went home, went on spring break. Uh, and about two weeks later, it turned out that every judge and lawyer in the state of Texas suddenly knew how to use Zoom and had nowhere to go for about six months. And so it was really a good time to to find lawyers and judges that wanted to get on Zoom and spend an hour talking to us about appellate. I really do think that that helped us get started um, because we had those first few episodes in the can, we were able to release those. And then suddenly everybody had a lot of time on their hands and they were interested in, in checking out, you know, listening to podcasts, maybe reading a, a little bit more, but the timing, it was just purely accidental and fortuitous for us. Uh, but we really were, were very fortunate and we were able to generate some interest and uh, we, we did what I had planned to do all along uh, using Zoom as our platform uh, and it just kept on going ever since. And so for those who want to know a little bit more about the podcast, it is the Texas Appellate Law Podcast presented by Butler Snow LLP. It covers topics of interest to lawyers handling appellate matters in Texas courts and beyond. The podcast breaks down appellate law and pulls back the curtain on the appellate system through conversations with judges, court staff, and top trial and appellate practitioners. And you guys have over 22,000 downloads in, just, in, in your 70 uh, episodes. So you guys have had quite a bit of success, you know, and just getting started just over, you know, about 18 months here. Um, when was it that, you know, so was it each of you had just thought in your mind, hey, it'd be cool to start a podcast, and then you just told Blake, Hawthorne about it. And he said, Hey, I talked to Jody who wants to start a podcast. You should talk to Todd or, or how to kind of, where did the genesis of this idea come from? I had, I had kind of made a joke about it on, on Twitter and wanted to start an appellate law podcast. And, and Blake saw it and said, well, Hey, if you're serious, I really would be happy to help y'all support that. And Todd saw it at the same time and said, well, I've thought about it too. And so I called him up a couple of days later and said, well, are you, is this something you really want to do? And we kind of talked out the logistics of it a little bit and decided, yeah, I think we do. And so we communicated back with Blake and said, all right, we'll take you up on your offer. Really having no idea what the audience would be like for this. I mean, we thought, okay, maybe there'll be 10 people that listen to this thing. Um, and not really knowing what our format was going to be, how we were going to do it. We just thought, well, let's just try it and see. And um, it just, I think we hit, the timing really turned out to be right, both in terms of us having time, guests having time, getting access to guests, um, and then also just people being home needing some distraction. And so I think we were able to kind of build an audience maybe quicker than we normally would have, just because there's a ton of people that were sitting around that needed something to do to take <laughs> their mind off everything else going on. Um, and so we, we got lucky there a little bit, and then it just sort of spread that way. I think it spread kind of organically. And then we've also been intentional about reaching out to people that we think are interesting that aren't necessarily Texas lawyers or judges, you know, judges from 
other states, lawyers from other states, kind of legal tech entrepreneurs throughout the country, uh, just, just people that we think have something interesting to say that we don't know much about. And so I think that has also brought in listeners from other places who might not normally tune into something like this. It really did kind of build. Uh, we had the advantage of not only having Blake as our first guest, the, the Supreme Court uh, clerk, uh, Blake Hawthorne, but Blake had arranged for Justice Jeff Boyd to be our, our uh, one of the other first guests on the show. And so we recorded those few episodes and got them ready to go. And we had so a couple of really credible uh, guests to start out. You know, it wasn't... I think Jody and I can fill the airwaves, just he and I talking about appellate law, but there's only so much interest that that's going to generate. Mm-hmm. But hearing hearing from the, the clerk of the Supreme Court about practice before the Texas Supreme Court was a, a great topic uh, to begin with. And then, you know, interviewing a Texas Supreme Court justice right out of the gate, too, I think really lent us some credibility to start. And then it just kind of took off from there. It, and literally as jody described we we launched right into the pandemic and suddenly a lot of people were really interested in talking about how law practice is going to change during this uh, challenging time and what we can do uh, to be more efficient and represent our clients better uh, during uh, what was then the front end of of the pandemic and so i think people were it, it caught people's attention because we were offering up those kinds of topics as related to and interwoven with uh, the topic of appellate law. And what have been some of the most memorable guests and, and maybe more importantly, the lessons learned? Um, you guys said that you guys has, kind of seek, seek out topics that maybe you don't have a ton of background in going into it. So what would you say are the big takeaways you've had so far? One thing that I've really enjoyed learning about, I, I think both just in general and kind of more specifically pandemic related has been legal technology and just the way that things are changing. We were at a really exciting and pretty incredible time um, in the legal tech industry where they can do so many things with artificial intelligence, um, kind of smart technology that are really streamlining the way that attorneys practice law and I think making it more efficient and frankly better. You know, where you used to have boxes and boxes and boxes of documents and, you know, just tens of thousands of pages to go through now you can kind of get a computer to, to sort of prioritize some of your searches for you and come up with terms and, and really optimize the way that you do it and deliver better services to your clients. So I think that there's that. I think I've really enjoyed learning from lawyers and judges who adapted quickly to kind of the new normal in the pandemic and started remote hearings and video proceedings and tried to kind of be the pilot program for remote jury trials and just hearing about how that went and the things that they've gone through, that, that was really interesting to me because as Todd said, I, you know, the last 18 months, the way that we practice law has probably changed more than in the last 50 years before that. Um, I mean, it really is just amazing how different things are sitting here in September of 2021 as they were the first week in March in 2020. Uh, it's just been incredibly different. And I think a lot of it is probably here to stay in some respect. And so it's just been really interesting to hear you know, all the people involved at all the levels of the system kind of describe how those changes came in, what's taken place and where they're headed. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, as far as takeaways, I mean, there's several different takeaways I would possibly mention. One is, even though Jody and I are both uh, 
civil appellate lawyers, I've enjoyed tremendously learning more about the criminal side from some of the guests that we've had, mm -hmm. including a couple of judges on the, the high criminal court, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. You know, it's interesting that even though we're civil appellate lawyers, we've generated quite a following from the criminal uh, side because we we've focused on and allowed some of their folks to come and talk and explain what they do. And I think it's really uh, it's been very educational, which that's really you know the goal, I think, of the podcast ultimately is to educate uh, other lawyers and people in the legal industry and to build you know, community, which it kind of reminds me of maybe what blogging was about 10 years ago. Uh, you know, you reach a certain audience and that audience can be someone who's like us, who just likes to nerd out on, on appellate law, or it can be uh, a trial lawyer who's looking for tips on how to handle an appeal because they're, they're doing it. And they're not really familiar with the process or the system. Uh, so there's lots of small benefits like that. Um, one of the greatest things about it though, is just the opportunity to, to get to visit with people that I, I wouldn't otherwise get to talk to necessarily and really engage them in conversation that in a way that's really fun. And I always learn something. I mean, from each and every episode, there's never been one that I haven't learned something from. Mm -hmm. um, and I think our approach to it is, you know, we, we, we do have our episodes edited, um, but they're not highly produced. You know, we record them on zoom. So, how highly produced can they be? Uh, you know, there's a, some of the oohs and ahs are taken out and maybe things tightened up a little bit to make us sound a little better than we are. But, you know, what, what listeners get with our show is, is just as if we were recording, you know, here today, it's Jody and me and usually a guest sitting around talking about a topic that we can uh, shoot the breeze on. If we, if we just left it unchecked, we could talk for a long, you know, hours uh, mm -hmm. about these given topics. And so, I like to think that, you know, we get to know the guests, the audience gets to know us a little bit because authenticity is something we're big about. Uh, you know, what you see is what you get with our show. And um, you don't always see that with legal podcasts generally, uh, or certainly with, with podcasts on the whole, I think people try to project themselves a certain way. And, and we don't, we don't make any attempt to do that. What you see <laughs> is exactly what you get with us. And based on the feedback we've gotten, I think people really appreciate that. Uh, going into uh, backtracking a little bit um, in terms of your legal backgrounds, what would you say are some of the maybe the more the most memorable cases you guys have had? Obviously, probably leaving you know the details out, but is there a couple of cases for each of you that kind of sticks out in your mind as you've gone through your career, or maybe cases you followed that just kind of maybe kind of changed the trajectory in some way? That's a tough one. Um, I don't. There's not one case I can point to that that I could say set me on a different path. Um, every case is different, and you take something away from every case. It's kind of like with the podcast. You take something away from every case that you didn't know before, because the whole uh, idea of practicing law is really true. You never know at all. Uh, there's just simply too much information to know to feel like you know it all. What we are is we're experts in um, how, to, how to present words on a page persuasively. And I'd like to think how to explain those words on a page and, and what's going on in a trial court to usually a panel of three, sometimes nine uh, appellate judges. And so I just don't think I could possibly say, you know, here are one or two cases that I've handled in my career that, that really are 
that much more memorable than than the next um especially with all the trial support work we do it's that to me is what's really fun is getting to get down in, in the weeds with people with real legal problems and use the skills that i've developed over 25 plus years uh, to hopefully help them get to the best possible result i think that that's probably right i think you know at the end of the day the most satisfying cases are the ones where you're able to get your client what they want. And that's not always a total win, you know, especially by the time it gets to us as appellate lawyers, a lot of the things that, that kind of came in and out during the case are narrowed down a whole lot more. And so what we're dealing with are a whole lot more discrete questions, um, a little bit more narrowing of the issues. And so sometimes your client just needs an answer on an issue and, and, Sometimes they don't really care what the answer is. They just need an answer because it's critical to how they do their business. And so it's really satisfying to be able to go through the process and get them an answer. And it's even more satisfying when they need a particular answer and you can get that form in their favor. And uh, we'll tie this back to TCU now where we started. But Jody, you're, you're in Fort Worth and you've spoken to some honors classes on campus. How have you seen the uh, TCU classroom uh, setting change since you were a student? They have a lot more cool toys. I'll, I'll say that, you know, when I, when I moved in, uh, it was the late nineties, they had just gotten kind of, I guess what you would call broadband internet. They had just kind of gotten, you know, email was, was constantly in use instant messenger. And so the, the technology that they have today is head and shoulders different and just the facilities, you know, I was walking through campus. I don't live far from campus at all. And we walk our kids over there every so often. And, you know, looking at, the buildings that are there, the facilities that they have. I mean, it is it is incredible how different it is. Thinking about the student center and the dorms. And when I started was the time they were kind of building what what is now that Tom Brown Pete Wright apartment village. And that was the cutting edge, high end, super cool apartments. And now those things are almost obsolete compared to all the other new stuff. And so it really is just amazing how how different the facilities are. It is. It has changed uh, over overnight, it seems. And, and Todd, you're down in Austin. So, of course, mm -hmm. you've got to wonder how often do you get a chance to come back to Fort Worth and, and come see campus? Uh, I have the, the privilege of coming back really often these days. I have a, my older son is a sophomore at TCU now. And so we're season ticket holders. And of course, last year, his freshman year was a different kind of year. Uh, but I, I think the point about how campus has changed is not lost on me. I started in 1985 and lived in the original Pete Wright dormitory, which is now, you know, was leveled many years ago to build uh, some of the new uh, dormitories. And, you know, what I lived in back in 1985-86 is a far, far cry from what my son lived in last year in King Hall uh, and now lives in in his new dormitory over in the, the, uh, the Greek part of campus. The facilities are incredible. You know, I've seen the stadium renovated a couple of times. Uh, you know, the Sholly was not there, uh, of course, back in the day in the form that it's in now. The baseball facilities are, are vastly improved and great. The campus, uh, it's really second to none, uh, in my opinion. That's one of the things that strikes me and my wife, who's class of 1990. Uh, we have a lot of horn frogs in my family, and we're super proud of TCU in almost every way you can be. But you know, starting with, of course, the academic programs, but the campus is just really beautiful. I would put it up really against any place. And it's a real pleasure for me to come back and visit all these years later as a parent uh, and, and just kind of keep an eye on what's going on. 
Um, we'll, we'll wrap up with this. Um, what are you each of what's the uh, future plans for the podcast and how can, uh, how can people listen to the podcast, follow you guys? I think our, our future plans are just to kind of keep doing what we're doing, maybe expanding our audience and our reach a little bit, um, you know, just to see what kind of guests we can get. And then as far as finding us, uh, you can go to our webpage, which is text T E X app, A P P law, L A W pod.com. So text app law pod.com. Uh, Twitter handle is the same at TexAppLawPod. And those are probably the easiest ways to find us. Agreed. And we're both on Twitter because we're we're there quite a bit talking about nerdy appellate stuff. Um, and you can find each one of us there. We're, we're connected to that TexAppLawPod account. We're pretty easy to locate. We, you know, it was pretty ambitious the way this thing started out. We, we decided we were going to publish weekly. And we maintain that schedule for basically a, a full year of publishing an episode every week. We had the advantage of being in the pandemic when that was happening. So as Jody suggested, I believe earlier on in the recording, um, people were, were, it was not that difficult to persuade people to come on. And we were able to fill our pipeline with weekly episodes. Um, we're going to continue to publish regularly at some point. It may no, no longer be weekly, uh, but that's still our plan for the foreseeable future. Uh, but I, I don't see us giving this up anytime soon. It's because it's been such a great experience doing it. And as I said, just getting to talk to a variety of people in a variety of settings. It's a it's a pleasure for us to have judges from all over on the show, including trial judges, not just appellate judges, people from outside of Texas. Uh, we've had a lot of non-Texan guests on the show. And it's, it's, it ties back to what I said earlier. I, I always learn something. And so I figure as long as it's fun and as long as I'm learning something, we'll continue to do it. If Jody's game. We'll, we'll close with that. And thank you guys for, uh, for being on. And uh, we will, we'll see you guys at a football game shortly. Yeah. I look forward to coming to visit the, the, the D Kelly alumni center again sometime soon. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Frog for Life podcast. If you or a friend or family member would like to get in touch with us to share your story, please contact us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at TCU Alumni. We look forward to sharing our next story of how TCU Alumni are changing the world.